We're talking UFC now after the stunning victory over Kelvin Gastelum by Israel, the last style bender, Edesanya over the weekend. And just a touchdown after spending all the time in Atlanta, having the joys of their life. We're joined now by a city kickboxing gym caretaker. That's his words, not mine. And coach, you would have seen the man with the beard behind Israel Adesanya. Eugene Bam joins the show now. Eugene, I suppose first up, uh, congratulations. Uh, massive for the gym, massive for yourself uh, and Israel. What a, what a time to be involved in, in MMA. Uh, no, uh, thank you for that, and, and I appreciate it. And 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 I'm in a weird sort of way. I'm hoping it's uh, massive for the country as well. I hope the country's got behind it. I think they have, and I think they're getting behind the, the number of fighters, and probably behind the UFC as well, which has been in a an interesting space for a long time. But I think slowly but surely, it's I suppose standing up in people's headspace is not being what was described once as prison violence, but actually a legitimate sport in its own mind and it's been accepted by the masses it's probably not important to you but on a larger scale that's a key thing isn't it with ufc acceptance yeah and and it is important to me i i, I mean new zealand's like kind of like the last frontier like in and a lot of the other developed countries it's a mainstream sport at the at the you know at the four at the forefront of people's minds and hearts sort of thing but in new zealand it's just taking a little bit longer for the people to pick up but I tell you what, it's it's rapidly grown in at least the last couple of years. So I think it's always hard to gauge when you're inside the sport because you it's hard to put yourself outside of the sport and look in. So um, I'm just hoping that the country is uh, really getting behind Israel and the rest of the guys because we we are really good at the sport. We are ahead of our competition at the sport, just in the same way at the same way we are with. Some of our other sports like rugby and uh, cricket and all these other more mainstream sports, yeah. And, and your gym, City Kickboxing, driving force behind this. If you just do a name check of the guys that train in your gym with you and your other trainers like Doug Viney, extraordinary. Israel Adesanya, we know all about. Dan Hangman Hooker, we know all about. Uh, Shane Young, Kaikara France. Uh, Braid Riddell, he'll believe is an upcomer. The Quake, you've got Junior Farr training there. Uh, Hemi Archio training there. I think you've got Carlos Ulberg there as well. And aren't you involved with um, uh, Volkanovski, who's uh, coming up against Jose Aldo, even though he's based in Australia? I mean, that's a, that's a huge checklist, isn't it, you? Eugene. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a um that's a you've just named an elite a world class level elite group of guys that are all from the same uh you know, all, all training at the same place and all trying to strive for the same goal. So um yeah, right now it's a just yeah, right right now we're in a like a this is this is like a time I reckon you'll be able to look back on in fifteen or twenty years and goes, Man, this is that was such a great time in New Zealand combat sports. Similar to like we've just gone um back to back in two World Cups. So, you know, we're in a great period of rugby at the moment. It's uh, very similar for, for, for my sport, MMA, I think. We're in a just a just a fantastic period in, in our in our time. What do you put yeah. that down to, Eugene? I've um, read articles of you describing yourself and your colleagues as fight geeks and the intellectual property that you have around preparing fighters is something you safely you safeguard plainly for the success you've had without giving away too many secrets. What is the key to success at City Kickboxing, do you think? Well, <coughs> the key, to, I, mean, I mean, what all, all of what you just said, like uh, I, I believe I've, I've found and put together a... a a group of individuals and a, and a group of guys that are world-class uh, 
trainers and coaches, uh, world class when it comes to their 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 minds and the way they analyze fights and the way they're able to coach and get get that message across to all the different fighters. Um, and it's also uh, it's also a product of what something that we started, you know, more than a decade ago. Um, and the fruits of that labor that we started a decade ago are really coming to the forefront now. But actually, this started, yeah, it actually started quite a while ago. But it's just getting a lot of media attention now because of the guys that we've been developing are just breaking through now. And Israel Adesanya definitely breaking through. He didn't quietly turn up on the scene, did he? He turned up with an absolute bang straight off the bat. Everyone was talking about him. Let's talk about this fight, though, uh, against Kelvin Gastelum and, and what we saw there. Uh, an astonishing five rounds of athleticism. And I've never seen Israel, of all the fights I've watched him, in that space before that he was in at the end of that fourth. What did you say to him at the end of that fourth? And how did he pick himself up to find some a pocket of oxygen or the rarefied air that he did in the fifth because he came out almost a completely different fighter. What was the trick there, Eugene? Yeah, okay, so we've, we have trained um, for a long time now um, in a worst-case scenario kind of basis for, for years. So we've, we've put Israel through some really tough uh, trainings that mimic that, that type of environment where you're very fatigued uh, uh, physically, but more importantly, you're more fatigued mentally. We've put him in that environment in training sessions many times. But fortunately for Israel, over all the years that I've trained him, he's never really had to go to that place. And the first time he had to go to that place that was anywhere close to the environment that we put him through in training was that fifth round. And for me, it was quite a simple task. All I had to do was remind him of all the years' work that we've been to that place. And then, of course, the stuff we've done most recently, that we have been here before. We have been in much worse circumstances in training through our simulations. And you need to find that place, and you just need to embrace it. You just need to... Don't be fearful of it. Yes, you're tired. Yes, you're fatigued. So is he. Find it in your heart and find it in your mind to let your mind take over your body, you know? And that was my the crux of my message. And uh and he found uh yeah, he found that, that other gear that Gaslam wasn't able to find. And that's what ultimately ultimately in a general sense that's what gave him that fight. Yeah. We're talking with uh, Eugene Behrman. He's uh, the caretaker of City Kickboxing. Jim Israel Adesanya's trainer. You would have seen him at the fight uh, over the weekend. Let's talk about the how you develop the fight through each round. Interestingly, in that first round, something that I suppose is a hallmark of Israel's fight game is the bluffs and the feints that he puts in all the time. It looks like, to me, that Kelvin Gastelum didn't take the bait. He wasn't interested. He didn't flinch. Did you have to wildly rearrange your your fight program to take into account that he wasn't taking something and taking that on board like what normally happens with Israel's opponents. Hundred percent, and that was a great fight, and that was a fight where the corners, the the cornermen played a pivotal role because every fight, both corners, both ourselves and Gaslam had to make adjustments because the rounds were going back and forth. But um, yeah, like at the end of the day, 
a feint or a pretend punch only works if you respect the punch that's coming. So my instructions after the first round is, look, he's just biting down on his mouth guard and not respecting that you could be possibly punching him when you fake. I said, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to show him. You're going to have to show him a real threat. You're going to have to give him a real incentive not to come in. You're going to have to actually sting him with something significant. And then as as you've seen in the fight, he managed to drop Calvin Gastelum in that fight. And that changed for us at that moment. It changed the way the fight was heading. Because now Calvin knows that he can be hurt. And now when Israel throws a feint or a fake, now it's actually going to work because Calvin knows that he can be hurt. And that was the difference. A lot of switch switches going on as well with, with Israel constantly going back and forth from his stance. And I noticed that he spent a, a bit of time, not a huge amount of time, but it happened intermittently attacking the legs of Calvin Gastelum as well. One kick every couple of minutes or so just on that inside calf. Just have a wee strike. It was obviously part of that plan to tire him, to wear him down, to, I suppose, take away his, his concentration more than anything. Uh, to, and, and to accumulate the damage and vary the targets. You can't just, in this sport, just keep punching the same target all the time. As you would have seen, Calvin did a great job of avoiding Israel's punches to the head initially. What Israel then needed to do was mix up his targets, like put the attack somewhere else, put the attention somewhere else, and then come back to his original target. So we just needed to have a variation in the targets that he was using there. And that would make his first primary target, which was the head, that would make that more available later. So, again, that was another one of those kind of pivotal little, uh, you know, one of the, we had to move that pawn here and that pawn here. It was a, like, fantastic uh, uh, fight in terms of, you know, changing up strategy and adapting and stuff. Great respect at the end, um, Eugene, uh, when he got you uh, into the octagon and laid the belt down in front of you. That's the kind of respect between trainer and fighter that uh, we expect, isn't it? And it was a, a wonderful moment to see. Must have been reasonably moving for yourself for that to occur. Yeah, I don't show a lot of emotion, but um, it was it was an incredible um, moment to to actually achieve something that you set out years ago to achieve that seemed so unobtainable that that just seemed like a dream that could never actually happen and then to realize that moment is uh it's i've never felt that before so uh it's it was surreal um at the moment i'm still waking up every morning since that's happened and pinching myself because it seems like that what that that whole thing that happened on that night was wasn't real and last but certainly not least, uh, Eugene Behrman, what next? I suppose it's all negotiation with the UFC as to when this big Robert Whitaker fight is going to occur. You got any, any idea roughly where and when that may be? I we will we we will fight in uh, October, November, December. It'll be in that region. It'll be around I can't really we're still in negotiations. But uh I mean man, like it will be an ad. It will be in Oceania. It'll be in Australia. I'm not going to rule out New Zealand because it still could be in New Zealand. But that was going to be one of the biggest sporting, not just combat, but sporting events in our part of the world since forever. I think it's going to be huge. And and I really hope the Kiwis. If it's in Australia, I really hope the Kiwis get over there and 
yeah, get in that stadium and just light it up. Right. We're looking forward to it. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Eugene Beerman, just as it was talking to your sister, uh, Sarai Beerman. A couple of weeks back, of course, runs women football out of FIFA. There's some power games going on in that family, Eugene. Thanks very much for your time. <laughs> no, no worries. Thank you.